วาวาวาวาวาวาวาว Hello, hello everyone. Hello, um, to Jay as right. well, and hello to this song. <laughs> oh yeah. Da, 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 da. Wow. Well, this is it. This is the start of the show. Hey. Hey. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming on this old no thing. <laughs> Happy to do it. This, of course, um, is the show, and what this show is all about is doing a really good job of making the show. <laughs> <laughs> I can get into that. And making the show as good as it can be, and making it as fun as it can be. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever been on a podcast, admittedly. Is this the first time that you ever listened to a podcast? No, I've listened to podcasts, but being a part of one, actively participating in it, makes me feel pretty special. Yeah, well, it's a special time, and I am special. <laughs> so, oh yeah, and you're a special guy in every sense of the word. <laughs> you're a special guy, yeah, and we have a special <laughs> gift for a special guy, and it's that black thing right there, which you can play with if you wish. What is it? Well, uh, it's upside down. Um, but those buttons on the bottom, each turn affects on and off. And those first three... I don't think it's switched on. Yeah, it's actually not working, and it's turned off. But... Okay, try now. Those first three mute the first three channels. Yeah, so oh, there you go. Okay. What about this? That's <laughs> ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's trippy. <laughs> what about... This one. Oh, this, yeah. one. Okay. Hey this everyone, this is a very this special one. show. We've got Jay on the boards making everything go the way that it's supposed to every old time. And he makes it sound nice, like a real fine guy. This uh I think this sort of setup that you have going here would be ideal for uh prank calling. Yes, and I think that this kind of show is a show that's ideal for prank calling. Well, if you want to do one, I'd be down. Yeah? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what's PSG? PSG is pitch shift. Oh. Um, but that's oh. for... I believe that's for what my about guitar channel. Oh, okay. Instrument channel. HP? HP... High pass? Yeah. Hi. Great guess. <laughs> All right, that'll be pretty funny. One, two, three, two. Hi everyone, welcome to the ad section of the show. This ad is for today's guest, Jay LeCavalier. Never said that out loud, Jay LeCavalier. Jay, Jay LeCavalier. Um, this is his amazing and extremely danceable music. Please check him out on SoundCloud at Dreadbot. One word, D-R-E-A-D-B-O-T. Also, uh, I do have to note that we were not able to get the prank phone call system working and ready to go, but more on that 
later. Understanding of like what a human being is grows. Yeah. That's true. I guess they're like projecting to the future. Yeah. Which is nice. Just showing like this isn't like, you know, these aren't the only people who we're ever going to like treat this way, I guess. <laughs> right. What way is that? What way are you treating LGBTQ plus? Um, isn't, doesn't, isn't that everyone at this point? I mean, as far as like, I mean, I just like respect them as human beings, just like anybody else, I guess. And I'm like pro-choice as far as like whoever you want to fuck. You as long fuck. as it's consensual and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like whatever whatever gender gender you identify as is cool with me right. that's where i stand on that is on it possible issue. do you think to identify as a gender that is um a seven gendered alien multi uh pedal <laughs> creature <laughs> I guess so. Um, whether or not most people are going to take you seriously at that point is an open question, I guess. Well, I, I mean, they better because that's what I identify with. And if anyone has anything to say about that, they're I'm a bigot. Very angry. <laughs> <laughs> not that it matters, but um, would you see if the high pass filter is on this other channel? Other one? Above, above. Oh, ooh. Do the knob. The knob is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Keep keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. I turned it off, the high-pass filter. Do you want oh, me to okay. turn it back on? No, I'm trying to understand why this is broken. But... I mean, I can hear you. And I can hear myself. But the sound effects, the sound effects are the trademark. If you don't... The other thing you need to know about this show... A reverb on, please formlessness that show is because <laughs> the sound effects are what what just makes it all come together in yeah. a way never before seen i think i think it's a great addition oh. yeah you, you know sometimes when i turn the ring on like i can only hear it on your side what about now like, when you talk, I can hear it, but not me. Oh, yes. <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh -huh, Same goes uh -huh. for the delay. Mm -hmm. See? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> and listen, as bad as this seems... It's not a ploy that I'm trying to use to get more attention or to seem like I'm the cool one. Uh, try it now. I, I think it should be fixed now. What about now? 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 Is that where that meme came from? The re, the re meme? Yeah. Someone doing I that? Know. I think the re, like, 
I have no idea where it came from. Probably like one of the anonymized online forums, Reddit, 4chan, something like that. Yeah. If I had to guess. And what is, what do you think Chan is for? (laughs) Um, Well, it's used for a variety of things. I mean, some people just like really like anime and that's why they use 4chan. Sure. There's discussions for video games and music, but I first found out about 4chan because of uh, B, if you've heard of that one, 4chan.org slash B. No. Oh. What is it? So, do you know how 4chan works? Mm, kind of. I mean, well, my second question is, have you read Reddit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I'm most familiar with. But I feel like I get 4chan. So, I if, you, if you know what, like, subreddits are, then, like, that's, like, 4chan has been doing that since the beginning, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, before Reddit was even a website, like, 4chan is broken up into, like, basically sub-forums. Um, but like something that makes 4chan unique compared to Reddit is that like, you don't even have to create an account to post. Oh, nice. You're just tied. Like every post gets a unique post ID. So you can like, instead of referencing the person who like said something, you can just reference the specific post. And yeah, it seems nice on the surface, but like (laughs) people have kind of tried to abuse that anonymity just to like think like, Oh, we can say whatever we want here. Yeah. But I first found out about it because of, like, a sub-forum just called B, which is, like, for random. Like, that's the theme of that sub-forum is just random. And Be like, like a bug or be like a letter? The letter. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, some... A lot of people refer to B as the toilet of the internet, and I would agree. <laughs> it's, like, it is just fucking chaos there. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's also where, like, a lot of the really negative reputation for 4chan has come from. Because, right. like, people would share child porn on B and stuff. And they would, like, come up with the dumbest ideas for disguising it, too. Or they would just be like, oh, let's start, like, a cheese pizza thread. Just, like, post pictures of cheese pizza. Oh, that's what that pizza is. Cheese pizza is like CP, child porn. Oh, yeah. right. And people okay. would like embed links to child porn in the metadata for the p- pictures of pizza they were uploading, Whoa. like thinking they were being so Fuck. clever. That's crazy. But then like thankfully that forum was also filled with a bunch of programmers who like knew how that stuff works and there have been lots of like online pedophilia rings exposed by some of the people that use that forum as well. So nice. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think recently like 4chan was kind of like this thing, like I only found out about it because of like some of my weird like basement dweller friends. And like I think it would have been that way forever if it hadn't been for this one specific sub forum on there called Poll which is short for politically incorrect. And that's kind of like where the like online alt-right movement was born. Oh, <laughs> shit. So. Pol. Yeah. Well, like P-O-L-L? P-O-L. Oh, why? Uh, I don't know. I think it was just like, I mean, the alt-right has like a lot of pretty like, what's the word controversial opinions yeah and i think the fact that like 4chan is a place where you can post things anonymously without like having an identity tied to you um it just like it's right it's a good place to share controversial opinions i guess yeah yeah so 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's the history of the internet. Yeah. Right? <laughs> As told by Jay. Jay, when it comes to the internet and it, <laughs> and when it comes to being online and being a cool um, nerd, I mean, that, that's not what I mean. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> what do you think, the, the, like, in these times of your life, the most impactful in a good way um, thing the internet has brought you is? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah? Do you think that it's formulated <laughs> correctly? Uh, I'll just repeat the question okay. so that I make sure I understand you. Uh, it's like, what is the best or like most useful thing that the internet has brought to my life? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I haven't really thought about it myself. Like, Yeah. That. I mean, I guess, like, it's not any one thing. It's just the internet as a concept itself. Yeah. Like, it's just allowed people to share things with each other in a way that was never previously possible. Yeah. And now, basically, your phone is, like, the conglomeration of all the specific internet capabilities that you want yeah like anything that you can anything that you can encode into like zeros and ones you can like share it with other people pretty yeah. much yeah yeah that's i think that's the thing that is that i think is the best about that the internet is just how it keeps refining the ability to directly communicate in all the ways possible with people whether that's just talking or through art or programs that let you do things or in cool ways formlessness or formlessness <laughs> podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, i will use this time to say hey guys welcome to the show um that was the intro section of the show um and now we're really now we're actually into it um Welcome to the show. Yeah, feel free to edit out a lot of the us scrambling to try and get prank calling working. <laughs> I don't care if that's yeah. on there. Well, there's no... Listen, this show is um, the best kind of show, and that means that it has needs no edits, and that everything happens exactly how it is, but actually okay. there is sometimes is edits. That's all right. And I will edit out all that stuff. Yeah. Up there. <laughs> Yeah, if I say anything bigoted, please feel free to edit it out. Not just for the sake of your podcast, but, you know, I don't want to be labeled as that. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I got it. And let me, I just have a couple questions just to test and make sure that you're not bigoted. Mm -hmm. First of all, what does that word mean? <laughs> bigot? Yeah, I mean, I know what it, I mean, obviously I know what it means. <laughs> But if there's someone who doesn't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've never actually looked up the definition of the word, but if I had to yeah. guess, it's probably somebody who, like, discriminates. It's like having a big head that um, keeps you from seeing 
the way other people are and you're just um, having ideas about other people that aren't based on knowing that they're themselves human lives. Mm-hmm. But that's why I asked you because I didn't, I've never looked up that yeah. explicitly either. Well, the Oxford definition is a person who is intolerant towards those holding different opinions. Hmm. So I guess like to that end, like calling people who are like racists bigots, which has become kind of like a language trend this decade. Yeah. That's not really like an accurate use of the word bigot, because if you're being racist towards somebody, that's not like that's not treating them differently because of their opinions. That's treating them because of like their race. Yeah. So racist is the right word yeah. to be using there. Yeah. <laughs> that's so interesting. <laughs> Racism is like a thing that transcends all physicalness and bigoted just transcends or it goes through mental ideas of people. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, are you a racist? Do you want to be called a racist? I know you don't want to be called a bigot. I don't think anybody want wants to be called a racist. Even, like, overt racists, I think, will, like, yeah. be like, no, 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 please don't call me a racist. Like, I don't think that, I think that, like, white people should have their own country and everything, and we should, like, kick out all those brown-skinned immigrants, but I'm not a racist. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and this is going to be a great theme for the next show where we do prank calls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Test this out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well that's a really amazing to experience that distinction now truly between racist and bigot because these words are being used and they do hold uh, heightened energy because they expose the meanings of some of the most imbalanced ways of living that are happening yeah yeah they're i think their society is kind of sick in a lot of ways but it's not the first time it ever has been and like i think it's something we can heal from too yeah and i think a lot of the the reason that the negative side of things or the imbalanced are so prevalent is because we're transitioning into a a good future of healing yeah, I hope so. I like to think there's like opportunity and all the chaos that yeah. we're going through right now. Yeah. But I mean, I also like I mean, I'm I'm glad that like people are using those words even if they are using them incorrectly because I don't know. I'm definitely not on the bandwagon of thinking like those words have like lost their meaning because they're overused. I think we'll stop hearing about like racism and bigotry when it's not a problem anymore. Yeah. You know, that's a, yeah. Like, I think it is still an issue. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think there's a lot of, I mean, I've seen it. I see it all the time in real life. There's some, I think there's some things that ha- that exist in today's world that are kind of not, really real problems or things that are made out to be more real than they are like what um like i don't know specifically but like 
the opportunity for things to go to become viral or well known, whether it's a meme or some event or something. Yeah. That like doesn't have a super impactful actual meaning. Like an example, a bad example of this is that music festival i can't remember that was like a fire f-y-r-e yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fire i remember act. that shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> what about it well i mean that's just a classic example of something that isn't really real but i think the reason that it happened is because it f- made itself out to be real but was just a product of it being viral like if it didn't get viral then nothing would have happened and it did get viral and nothing still happened because it was just thrown together from start the starting point of the internet. Yeah. It was like a scheme yeah. <laughs> from the beginning. A scheme. Yeah. I think, and I think that the internet can replicate schemes and false, like false reasoning about what to care about. That's kind of what I really mean. But things like racism and bigotry are not. Those things I know are real because I'm experiencing them not on the internet only. Like, I think there's some things you experience only on the internet. Yeah, that's true. That are like a, di- like a different area of problems. Yeah. Yeah, I think I see what you're getting at. I mean, like, uh, as far as the fire festival goes, like, you were touching on this too, but like what strikes me is interesting about that whole situation is just that like you can make something look really real just through the use of media yeah. and nothing else. And yeah. like that just shows how powerful like journalism really is. Yeah. How powerful news media is because when you go into like the realm of journalism, you're not really like, you're not making like a music video at that point or something that's like meant to be just seen as art. It's supposed to be like the truth or like an accurate representation of things that are really going on and people get like very charged about those things. So yeah, like you can make something look so real with that. And maybe that's what people are talking about with like fake news. So yeah, like I kind of understand that sentiment. Yeah. Another good example of that is uh, Ty Lopez. If you know who that guy is. I, that sounds I'm sure you've heard of him because he's such a big meme now, but he was like the guy who made all those YouTube ads that like has Dude, the Lamborghini yeah, right yeah, here yeah, in my garage. Yeah. And I got it from knowledge just from reading books. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like he, he's, you know, I think he's really smart first of all. Yeah. Like, but I, I mean, it's obvious that like, He's probably he probably wasn't a millionaire when he started like making that and I don't think that Lamborghini is his. Yeah. I think he is a smart guy who knows how to make a well-produced video. Yeah. And he made it look like he was a millionaire just from like this video. Yeah. And then just got people to buy whatever he was selling. What is he selling anyway? Well, that's books. The thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's got to be books or some like program or something. Yeah. But, but, but I think I, there was, like, one point he made another ad where he was, like, in a mansion. And um, there was, like, some YouTuber, um, Ethan Klein, he calls his channel H3H3 Productions. Yeah. He did a video about Ty Lopez where he, like, demonstrated that the mansion that he was in was a rental. 
Really? Yeah, oh, it was like great. a rental that was commonly used for like music videos and oh, like short films yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, wow. And you can like find the website and find like pictures of the exact room that he was in with like a one, like a unique fountain like in the, yeah. in wow. the parlor and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like you can, you can through good production of something garner interest even if it's in this weird kind of zone of this kind of false businessy like self-help area like you can make a really good music video and a lot of people will watch it but you can also make a really seemingly grounded like whatever style like vlog style thing that he's doing yeah and people will respond to it based on the production alone it's really crazy. And I see, but I see now like a lot of versions of that kind of thing going on in marketing and stuff. Like all these, I feel like around spring of this year, all of the iPhone app ads became that kind of style of thing where it's like a real person, a real person just on their phone that they, that they, I mean, I guess that's what advertising has always been trying to connect the consumer with like a real version of themselves but now it's just the level of kind of grit and and not well produced stuff is what seems more real yeah <laughs> or you know vlog style kind <laughs> yeah of thing. that's, that's, that's a good point what ads are doing now these days <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's like I, I i agree with you and some of the like some of the thing that like scares me about just the fact that like something being well produced makes it like inherently seem more convincing is just like I think we're getting to the point where you can like just synthesize footage of like yeah. a real person. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I wonder what sort of stuff that's going to do because I mean my main concern with it is that they're going to be like political figures where they just like make fake videos yeah <laughs> essentially of like somebody saying something yeah i mean i'm i've already dabbled around that in a bit, a bit myself like i've made a couple like fake twitter accounts like if if you just like inspect element on your web browser you can like edit the html for like just your local like what you're seeing right it doesn't actually like change the website itself but like it changes what you're seeing in your browser window. Yeah. So you can use that to make, like, fake tweets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So dude. I've done that a little bit. Nice. <laughs> and just, like, made fake tweets <laughs> from celebrities and stuff. I was running a Facebook page when I was in high school just making, like, fake celebrity tweets. Really? That's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. I was going to say, in high school, I used... That's how I learned Photoshop, is mm. I was homeschooled and, like schooled at public school and just in a bunch of different things since one of them was online school for a while but there was like a separation between the two companies or like the local version and like the national online software so they just accepted screenshots of your grades so i just photoshopped them yeah <laughs> and yeah and then i worked as a vfx guy for a while because of that sweet so that turned out to be my education <laughs> hell yeah dude 
Yeah, I've uh, done I've done a lot of video editing too. I I had a YouTube channel for a while. I wish I could still access it, mostly so I could remove some of the more embarrassing content <laughs> that I made. Yeah, a lot of it's from high school, but like, I don't know. Yeah, but I wish I could get that back. I lost all of the videos from like before I was eighteen, basically. Uh, that we made like a hard drive failure or something. Ah, mm, uh, yeah, yeah. I deleted them off YouTube, and then the whole the computer that I had them on was toast. Mm. But I guess suffice to say, the point being of just about everything that we have discussed today and experienced <laughs> is that the world is crazy and amazing and changing yeah i'm I'm happy to be a part of it <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot of good changes i mean i feel like so much of life i'm so excited about uh and i can see it coming in and see new examples of it being created everywhere and then there's old stuff that's still uh, keep slowing things down, get, keeping things weighted. Yeah. Um, but we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, we're always moving. <laughs> it's just... That's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I definitely agree there are like a lot of things weighing us down from the past. Yeah. And some things that are like... It gets to a point where some of it's just, like, taken for granted, too. And, yeah. like, some of it doesn't even have to be, like, that far in the past, either. Yeah. Before it, like, becomes just, like, this common knowledge taken for granted thing. Because, like, all it takes is just, like, one generational gap for, like, the reason that something happened to be forgotten. Yeah. And maybe that's why they say, like, those who, like, don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, that, like old adage. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the specific example I'm thinking of, because I have to like plug this whenever I'm like saying something that like people are going to be listening to, is I just like, I think that LSD, psilocybin, and DMT should be legalized. Yeah. And it hasn't been that long that they've been illegal. It was 1968 that LSD was banned. Like, that's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's already become this sort of thing where it's like, oh, well, of course that's illegal. Like, we just kind of take it for granted. Yeah. But. Yeah. And a lot of people are kind of, their lifestyle would not necessarily be a helpful context for them to experience LSD in, you know? Yeah. Like, I think... With the psychedelics, they're so, they communicate so, like, deeply and emotionally and on all fronts that if you're in a place where your lifestyle is really insensitive to different areas of yourself, then it's that, it's kind of like a version of that adage where it's like, if you don't know how to contextualize something, you can't experience it. How are you going to be able to experience it in a way that... Yeah, either that or experiencing it might, like, hurt you. Yeah. Like, if you're trying to suppress some aspect of yourself, and then, like, 
I just think like psychedelics tend to shake things up and just like make you look at things from a different perspective. They just like make your brain function differently for a short amount of time. So can like bring up stuff that you might have been like subconsciously suppressing. Mm -hmm. And if you're not prepared to like look at those aspects of yourself, I think it can really freak you out. Yeah. But I think if it becomes legal and that kind of stuff is communicated just like a few sentences on on the bottle the bottle (laughs) yeah well actually it's funny that you mentioned that because when i mean back when lsd was legal it was i mean it was discovered by a pharmaceutical company and um they distributed it for free to researchers under the name delicid (laughs) And yeah, they had like information like that on the bottle that just said like um, it can like cause psychotic episodes in people who are like not in a safe environment. So it described that that like anybody who's taking it should at the very least like have a medical supervisor that they can call at any time. Yeah. That's like available. Yeah. And... Yeah, they were they were giving it away for free, and all they were asking in return was that like whoever took it from them provided like their research methods and results in right. return. Wow. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, like that pharmaceutical companies are making so many crazy drugs now, but a lot of those drugs are colored by the pharmaceutical companies' like bad motives or motives that are financially based yeah that's what i was gonna say is like it's just it's like par it's primarily motivated by like making money and that's like where i end up having a big problem with pharmaceuticals yeah but at the same time i don't want to like stop anybody's hustle either like i think that the people who make these drugs should be able to make money but yeah we all on that grind yeah (laughs) but it's like i think it's unique i mean i was reading like I forget where I was, it was some like personal anecdote, but it was either on Reddit or some other forum like that. Some Canadian was talking about how they took their first vacation to the U.S. and like they saw all the ads for pharmaceutical drugs on TV. And like apparently that's really only a thing here because like she said that, that like that was weird for her to see that. And like they do have those types of ads in Canada, but it's not nearly as prominent as it is here. And then right. like that led to a whole discussion where people are saying like, I'm from this country and that's actually illegal. Like pharmaceutical companies can't do that wow. here. Wow. So like that's, yeah. it's weird. Like the U.S. is a very weird place. It really <laughs> is, man. It really is. <laughs> I, I keep, I still think about it constantly. I'm it's always... a global capitalist market. Yeah. <laughs> Which just means like the spectrum of life quality and mental quality and emotional quality is just like the widest spectrum possible. Yeah. You can have, you can have so much, so, such a good life here. Yeah. Potentially. Like basically you can be, have the potential of being not limited by anything at all if you don't want to be, only by your own resources. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you don't have resources, you're unable to get any sort of quality of life baseline. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I, 
I mean, I honestly think that it's been a good thing for a while to have that. I don't think it's good anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I think having the taking that for the the kind of capitalistic freedom that America has been built on and using that to incorporate like all of the all of the the riches and the benefits that that has brought America. I think that should be funneled back in now to start bringing all of its residents into more of a cohesive lifestyle potential. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm like, I'm left leaning in the sense that I believe we should use, like, I'm like pro government spending as long as it's on programs that benefit people that are impoverished yeah. or otherwise disadvantaged. Yeah. Um, like I'm not an anti-capitalist. I think capitalism is like just as like it has its pros and cons just like any other like economic system would. And it like is just as exploitable as any other yeah. ex economic system. It's just exploitable like in different ways. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like that's kind of where like policy has to come in is just like I think that's where regulation comes in is just yeah. to like prevent the unique ways in which capitalism can be exploited from being exploited. Right. And like I think one example of that is like just like pharmaceutical drugs being advertised to people. Yeah. Like that. It just yeah. like like the way that it's run is just yeah connecting so that up. Connecting that's not that what medicine the, is yeah yeah no yeah <laughs> i mean that's kind of like that's why i'm i that's why psychedelics really excite me is just because like i mean lsd in particular like just because it's so active in small dosages but like yeah. it's just it's not like if you are going to use it as like a medicine um it's not the sort of medicine that you can just prescribe to somebody and tell them to just like go take it at home and it'll do its job. Like it's right. not like penicillin in that sense. Right. Um, like you have to have like a relationship with the person who's giving you LSD. Yeah. Um, or the person who's like guiding you through that experience. And if you're going to be doing it on your own, then you like really have to know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. And that's like not the case with most drugs. Right. Um, so I think to that end, they're, like, kind of, from the beginning, they were, like, challenging us to, like, rethink how we look at medicine as a whole. Because yeah. it's like, well, maybe if psychedelic drugs need to be treated that way in order to be safe for somebody to use as medicine, where, like, you have to, like, be very specific about the setting and, like, what the, how the person's mental state is before right. the experience and stuff, like... Maybe other drugs should be treated that way as well. Yeah. And like other medicines should be treated. And like, it's not just about giving a patient a drug based on like a simple diagnosis, but like actually developing a relationship with the patient and like figuring out what their unique needs are. Yeah. Because when you don't acknowledge those, the more subtle aspects of someone, then they just remain unacknowledged and get worse and worse and like don't. And then, like, the, the medicine that you create based on that perspective also doesn't take into account these other areas. Yeah. 
that just keeps it's just really any any sort of health or change in a person has to be met at from all angles of who they are i think yeah and i mean that's like that's where that's where interest in psychedelics at least like in the western world in this like century came from originally was like that sort of newfound approach to medicine um that's like where that's like why lsd came over here from europe in the first place was because of that and that's like what the first researchers were looking into is like how can we use this medicine like as an aid to psychiatry like it's it was understood that it's not a medicine by itself it was like somebody who's already going through psychotherapy yeah could have an experience like with their therapist yeah that was the idea originally um then it grew into something more and i think a large part of the reason it became illegal was just because um i mean there were celebrities who were receiving treatment like they were going through psychotherapy Cary Grant, the actor, really? is an example. He like he was going through therapy for a long time because he was having like a major identity crisis, which is interesting to think about, like an actor yeah, having identity yeah. crisis. But then like I guess he had like a few LSD sessions with his therapist, and like after those sessions, his identity problem was like completely resolved. Wow. And he did like several interviews with all these big magazines in the U.S. about like how LSD like help them solve that problem wow and like that story spread like wildfire among a bunch of other ones too mm. not just for lsd but also for mushrooms there was one like in life magazine about mushrooms wow. just some guy who like went down to mexico and tried it like a traditional mushroom ceremony yeah but stories like that were spreading really fast and people were like finding out how truly amazing these drugs are from popular media but the precautionary stuff like i was mentioning earlier like the label on the bottle like you're talking about yeah and saying like don't just take this it's not like safe if you don't know what you're getting yourself into like that message wasn't spreading as fast as the messages of like look at how amazing it is yeah and like with lsd's case in particular like it spread so quickly because it was like I wouldn't say it was easy to manufacture because you have to be like a good chemist to be able to do it and you have to have the right equipment. But if you have those conditions, because it's active at such small dosages, you can mass produce it, like much more so than like mushrooms. Like a mushroom grower, if they had like all the resources available to them, could not produce in the same bulk as like a chemist who had the like similar equipment for producing LSD. Wow. So that's probably, that's so interesting. So that's like why it blew up. I think was because of all those stories, but then at the same time, like the safety measures were not like blowing up. Yeah. And like the message about the like very real risks of taking psychedelics were not like spreading either. And I think that's a large part of why they became illegal and like that's the part that i'm worried about is being forgotten just because like it is taken for granted that these things are illegal because they're just like drugs right um 
but there's like a whole story as to why that happened and there's not just a story as to like why they became illegal but there's also a story as to like well why were people even interested in these in the first place and i don't want that part to be forgotten either because i think that we can pick up where we left off and where we left off is that we were like researching these as medicine like for treating very serious problems yeah and um yeah fortunately that's happening again right now we're literally living in the middle of the second psychedelic renaissance but gotta be careful though (laughs) yeah that's it's so funny and true that the you have to be careful about the psychedelic renaissance from a social perspective in the same way that you have to be careful about taking mushrooms yeah or any of these other drugs of making sure to uh, acknowledge and like communicate the the a perspective about them that that is actually help, really helpful for everyone yeah not just specific types of people or specific areas of life yeah like i i feel i feel like social pressure and i feel like i'm sweating just from like the fact that it's illegal and like I mean, not going to lie, like, I've had psychedelic experiences, and, like, I've been scared when I do that, like, because it's illegal, and I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, But I imagine that pressure is nothing compared to what some of the researchers that are working on this stuff right now feel, and they have the legal endorsement of the government to work on it, so it's not, like, a legal pressure that they're feeling, but maybe, like, this social pressure of just, like... I have to make sure that, like, we don't go down the same road that we went down before with this. Yeah. Because, like, if we make the same mistakes that we made before and there's, like, a second, like, re-banning and a second, like, era of all this, like, negative propaganda against psychedelics, we might not be able to come back from it as easily. Yeah. If it's, like, the second time around. Yeah. But I think the good thing about this time is that because of the internet and technology, that sort of it's kind of an equalizer equalizer across all fronts where the government versus the people or anything versus anything is there's less of a gap of status or um control between any of them because we're all of us are just naturally starting to look at things from more and more and more of a global perspective just because that's what we're seeing every day is everything so i think that's a good thing to it's almost like universal rather than just global too because we don't just have like this spatial connection to other people because of the internet but we have like this temporal connection too where like old information is archived in a way that it's never been archived before. Yeah. Where, like, not only is, like, our ancient texts and stuff being backed up, but they're being backed up in a way that almost anybody can accept, can access them. Yeah. Well, anybody who has technology, like, there definitely are still a lot of people who don't have access to the internet. Yet. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's funny, like, for me, going through the process of putting things out, publicly online as much as it's like the for me it's like the defined product or like the finished piece of everything I'm doing you know I want it to be 
I, I everything I do is to uh, take care to communicate exactly what I want on all the levels I want or, you know, whatever the message is. It's very important. But at the same time, like, people don't really care in yeah, a you're way fighting that... against like a sea of relevance. Right, right. <laughs> and that's a funny thing that I think is the opposite of what a lot of people expected or feel naturally, which is to um, be careful about what you are communicating or putting out. But at the same time, it's like that's kind of a relief of pressure to be able to put anything out and have people not care in the sense where if someone doesn't like it or doesn't care about it they're just never going to look at it and like people who do do and like even when you're releasing something completely out to the open it still has its own kind of boundaries that are created by what it actually is yeah i don't know I think that makes a good segue into what you originally wanted to talk about on the podcast today, which was just like my whole story with music production too, because I think about that a lot, like about what to release and what not to release, because I've written hundreds of songs since I was 16, like some, a lot of them are electronic music, a lot of them are just like sample based hip hop stuff and yeah. Now I play a lot of acoustic guitar and I play in bands and stuff too. And I've always struggled with like, what do I actually put on the internet? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's no like clear answer to that. Yeah. Cause in some ways, like your work is never really going to be finished. Yeah. And after a certain point, you just have to like say, this is it. Yeah. Um, that's why I like, I liked doing this Christmas album recently because it had a deadline yeah Um. yeah and i loved i love i feel like for so many years i had to focus on kind of not giving myself any timeline or deadline about anything to try and feel inspired or not feel pressured um but now i feel like you got to have both equally and like having i love doing things on a deadline a lot of a lot of this podcast has been done like hours before the end of the day of the week that it comes out and it's good that's i really like that about this show having it be on a weekly deadline is really fun yeah that makes sense to me (laughs) and what what is the show called Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily like just having a deadline, but um, there's a saying that restriction breeds creativity and that's become somewhat of a mantra for me in recent years. Like, um, it does like a deadline is just one type of restriction you can place upon yourself that like forces you to like have a particular quality to your work. Yeah. Um, but like there's other stuff you can do too. Like, you can limit the type of equipment that you use for recording or, like, limit yourself to it. Like, if you're trying to do some arrangement, limit yourself to a certain number of tracks. Right, exactly. Something like that. Um, Yeah. I think for that, it's really important for uh, creativity, but also just for brain uh, stamina. Like, a lot of the times when I'm doing electronic music or trying to make an instrument, 
uh, through MIDI, uh, you know, make a software instrument. I stopped doing it because the I'm having to make a lot of decisions with my brain, and I'm not getting like feedback from that that re-ups my energy. Where if I use like a analog instrument, you get that feedback of the sound immediately, and you can't really do much else. So you're just playing, and I li- I'm I don't I like making electronic stuff, but yeah. it's a different. I'm making more decisions with my brain. And so I have a different, like, it's a different, a different area. Yeah. You're like looking at a blank canvas and yeah, having some intention or like just some direction to like make the canvas a little less blank from the get go helps. Yeah, exactly. Even if that just means like you have to com- you have to like put something on the canvas before this date. <laughs> right. Because that's the thing. Every time you're doing anything, you you're committing to it, on a small scale or a large scale. Whether it's playing a note or releasing a whole album. Yeah. And I I don't know. Like the first album that I ever made, it was when I was 16. It was uh, it's called Aliens. I don't know if you can find it online anywhere, but really? it's house music and it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> like. The production quality is not good. I didn't yeah. know what mixing was at that point. Yeah. Like, um, Dude, I have this, yeah. Everything is just clipped. Like, <laughs> um, and, like, as far as house music goes, it's, like, I guess it's unique in the sense that it kind of, like, breaks some of the rules. Like, I didn't use any snare drums. <laughs> which wow, like, nice. That's interesting, because, like, most house music just has, like, a four on the floor with, like, a snare drum on every, like, yeah. other beat. Yeah. But, like, I didn't... I just did, like, four on the floor for most of the albums. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, like, minimal techno. Dude, uh, that honestly sounds like what I love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's cool. Like, I just wished it was, like, a higher production quality. Right, and I yeah. definitely don't have access to the files anymore, so I couldn't go back and, like, work <laughs> on it again. Yeah. But I don't know, like, how I was able to actually finish that, like, looking back. Maybe it was just because it was the first thing that I ever made, um, like, musically. But it just happened, like, so quickly. Like, I, I was working on it, like, every night for a summer like I was working on a forestry team that summer and I would get home from like working out in the mountains and then just like work on that album for a whole summer and then it was done wow that's Uh, amazing yeah (laughs) I wanna I gotta hear it yeah I'll I'll show it to you sometime I don't like I said I don't know if it's online anymore if we can find it um I think I just released it on SoundCloud at first but Mm. then I like um, I never like bought the SoundCloud premium thing, yeah. so I eventually had to like remove stuff to make room. I mean, I still have all the audio files; they're just not like available online anywhere. Maybe right. I should just shut up, set up like a throwaway Bandcamp account because you can like, yeah, you can do unlimited uploads. You just yeah. don't get unlimited downloads, but like nobody was downloading this album anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear it. And like all my other old stuff too. Because I made so much electronic music that I did release on SoundCloud, but I was just always, like, cycling it out. Oh, interesting. Uh, some of it's still on there, and I still make it. Um, I don't know if you can, like, play a sample for the podcast. Yeah. But, um, uh, uh, we'll play it. We'll dub it in. 
Because cool. the iPad's broken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think uh, you have to go, yeah? What kind time of? is it? 7-Eleven? Uh, yeah, in like five minutes or so. Okay, nice. Yeah. Maybe we can just listen to one of the songs that I did recently. Yeah. And to like put it out. Get it out there. In the podcast. <laughs> well, I got to say, this has been a great episode of the show. Cool. I'm yeah, glad. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of different pieces to it. <laughs> That's how it always is. We made some music. We were going to do the prank call. Then we <laughs> did it. Then we talked about all these cool things. Next time, I'll plug this for you and for the listeners. Uh, Jay is a part of our band, Ooga Booga. And eventually, we're going to have an Ooga Booga episode, which will feature all of our guests at the same time and will highlight the best part of each episode again and what we will do is do a real prank phone call fuck yeah Uh, i'm so down for that nice (laughs) (laughs) uh well bye 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 everyone oh wait 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 goodbye bye but actually come back come back and then and then and then, 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 and